Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Stu, and today we have Amy from Killer Infographics. Amy, how are you doing today? Amy, why don't you go into uh, your background a little bit, and then we can talk a little bit about Killer Infographics. Okay, great. Um, my background is actually primarily in um, online marketing and SEO. Um, I was doing online marketing and SEO for uh, about about six or seven years before I started my company. Um, our company started with a completely different business model. It was based on launching a bunch of different websites and monetizing them in different ways. So I did the web design and development for those sites and then all of the SEO for those sites. Um, but I also designed infographics for those sites um, and that kind of started us pivoting into killer infographics. And so. Uh, for the past three years, um, I'm the co-founder of Killer Infographics and um, basically just run the day-to-day -day operations and manage all the projects um, as well as managing our website and our marketing. Cool. And can you tell our, our audience a little more about what Killer Infographics is exactly? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Killer Infographics is a boutique design agency located um, outside of, are located in Seattle, Washington. We're actually in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. Um, we're actually one of the world's top infographic design agencies. Our entire focus is on designing uh, infographics and anything related to visual communication strategies for our clients. So we do motion graphics and interactive experiences um, as well. Um, we've designed over 3,000 viral infographics in the three years that we've been in business. We have uh, 250 global clients, including uh, Microsoft, TurboTax, Mint.com, Adobe, uh, the BBC, uh, the list goes on. Got it. Okay, and how are revenues looking today? Uh, they're looking really, really good. Uh, we, you know, our, our first, we basically doubled revenue year over year. Um, and so we're, we're going to definitely in 2014 be above 2 million, which is going to be great. Nice. Awesome. So I guess, you know, one <clears> of the questions I usually like to ask, um, you know, startup owners is, you know, how did you get your first 100 clients? Um, basically it was, it was kind of interesting. Our first clients came to us directly because we had made a name for ourselves in the infographic space by designing infographics for our other websites. And so clients actually started coming to us asking us to design infographics for them, which really forced us to pivot into the company we are. Mm -hmm. um, one of our very first clients was actually Neil Patel, and my business partner really kind of cyber-stalked him and got him to uh, agree to let us do some infographics for him. And then Neil started sending us clients. And so um, that really helped us grow as well. And then other than that, my business partner, um, he's amazing at sales, and he really uh, did all the heavy-duty groundwork of um, reaching out to any possible person who was doing infographics um, and letting them know that we could be their infographic provider because we had a great process that allows us to um, turn around great designs in a short amount of time. Um, but at, I'd say that got us our first 50 or 60 and then after that, it just started becoming inbounds from there. We actually get about 10 inbound leads a day um, still with people wow. looking for infographics. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And, you know, one of the things with, with infographics, and you mentioned, you know, delivering in a short amount of time. It, it, I imagine it, it must be pretty tough to be, like, you know, on time, have pretty good lead times about it. So I guess how do you make sure all your infographics are delivered on time? Because there's so many different variables. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, we have an incredibly strict process that we've set up. Coming from a marketing background um, instead of a design background has actually allowed us to create a process that really works well for our clients because most of our clients are marketers or um, they're business development managers at their company or something of, of that extent, or maybe they're even the owners of their company. But their mindset is going to be very process-driven and um, very deadline-driven. And so our process is very, very, very focused on making sure that there are strict deadlines for both our clients and ourselves um, and that we're constantly communicating those deadlines. In addition, we're constantly setting expectations as we go through. So we have an online creative brief that everybody has to fill out. And then from there, we um, deliver uh, a script and wireframe to our client, which is kind of like delivering the blueprints of a house before building the house. And so we're always communicating to our client where we plan to take things so that they can then constantly give us the necessary feedback so that when we turn in a first draft, it's really, really close to complete. Um, and it took a long time to hone that process, but that process is not only very strict, but it's the same for every client. So it's a Thursday to Thursday process, and the same things happen on each day of the week so that our whole team knows uh, what their tasks are for the day. Got it. So key takeaway for anyone that wants to do infographics, you need to have a good process or you're not going to be able to get them done on time. And I think that's actually really important because, you know, things start to fall apart if they're not on time. Um, so, you know, what to a lot of the people in our audience, they're more like, you know, startup oriented, you know, in the, in the tech space. So what to them, you know, they like to see things move quickly. They like to see paid acquisition, boom, 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 you know, get mm -hmm. results fast. Right. What is the benefit of doing infographics? Um, infographics are really one of the best forms of communicating your message today. We actually have a lot of startups who come to us for infographics and there's a couple of different ways startups are using infographics right now. Um, one way is uh, for internal uses. We actually create um, pitch decks for startups but instead of it being a PowerPoint pitch deck it's a simple eight and a half by eleven infographic that they can hand to a potential investor. Um, it really helps get an investor's attention in a much faster way than sending them a slide share or a PowerPoint deck. Um, in addition, startups are also using infographics to explain their product. Maybe they're going to a trade show or a conference and they want to share what their product is. Well, they can have a big infographic in the backdrop at their conference or they can have an infographic handout to get people's attention. Um, and then finally, it's great online content. If you want to showcase your product or showcase yourself as a thought leader, um, an infographic is so easy to share online that it's, it's really one of the best ways to get content out there. Um, in addition, um, our brains actually um, take in visual information 60,000 times faster than text. So if you have a competitor who's trying to get information out there in text or in uh, verbal form, then put an infographic out there instead because that's going to get your audience uh, get your audience's attention much, much faster than putting a white paper out there would. Got it. Okay. And what if, you know, let's say, for example, I am, you know, VP of marketing at a startup and then the CEO comes to me, he's like, you're doing all these infographics, you're spending all these money, but where's the ROI in the infographics? Um, we always say to our clients, you need to pick one goal for an infographic. Don't try to pick multiple goals for an infographic. Mm -hmm. Once we identify the goal, we design the infographic based around that goal so that we can always 
um, link the infographic to an ROI. So a great example, um, one of our most popular infographics that we ever put out there was Geek versus Nerd. Um, that infographic got millions of shares in its first week, um, hundreds of reposts and backlinks in its first week. Um, it really, and, and even today, it's, got, it's had over 30 million shares. Um, it's really been an incredibly successful infographic. Now, the client that we did that for was a website that did lead generation for IT schools. So it had nothing to do with um, identifying the difference of a geek or a nerd, but they had a specific goal and a way they were measuring their ROI, and their goal was backlinks and social shares. So we created a graphic for them that would get them both of those, um, both of those metrics, with backlinks being the primary goal. Mm -hmm. And um, if social shares were the primary goal, we actually would have designed it slightly differently. Mm -hmm. um, we would have even made it much smaller because, again, for social shares, you need it to be kind of a micro message. Got it. So it really just depends on the goal. Okay. And what if a prospect came to you and they're like, I have a million dollars and I want X amount of users from the infographics or I want X amount of dollars for, for infographics. What's your typical response to people that are super, you know, dollars driven? Um, we would create a specific campaign for that client. Mm -hmm. We actually have a really good tool that we call the protective analytics tool um, or the protective analytics container, pardon me. Mm -hmm. The protective analytics container is an invisible container that we wrap around the infographic and uh, it ties into Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. So no matter where that infographic goes online, you actually have all the Google Analytics for it as if it was uh, your own website. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to tie revenue back in because we can actually put um, actions with that infographic and associate, associate a monetary value to each action. Mm -hmm. So that allows us to um, really come down to that dollar amount for a client. Got it, no, I, I love it. <laughs> That's actually perfect. I think that's the perfect segue for people. Any any type of infographic, infographic design agency, or um, even people that do it on their own. So you know, a lot of I mean, a lot of marketers or SEOs I see. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, infographics are old news. It's been overdone. You know, blah blah blah. I mean, what, what's your what's your response to that? Um, I think that crappy infographics are old news. Um, the fact is, is Infographics are nothing new. They've been around forever. People can argue that cave paintings were the first ever infographic. Mm -hmm. um, human nature is to communicate while circumventing language barriers, and the infographic allows you to do that. Um, I think that what happened was marketers got a hold of infographics and started overusing them, but not, does, not executing them properly. Mm -hmm. And so there's millions of infographics online, and it would be very generous of me to say that 10% of them are of any quality. Mm -hmm. It's probably only 1% that are actually quality. Now, the good news is, because there's actually so much kind of crap out there, if you're designing a high-quality infographic, it's going to get a lot of love. So while the market is oversaturated, um, working with a great design agency um, like us, for instance, allows you to create an infographic that's going to um, kind of rise above those awful designs out there and really stand out from the crowd. Um, infographics are nowhere near done because our entire society is moving towards a visual, um, a visual mindset. I mean. Uh, Pinterest, Instagram, uh, Vine, 
they're all they're all examples of this. Um, when Facebook changed their timeline offering for brands and started adding photos and videos in timelines, um, they actually increased user engagement by 65%. And today, Facebook uh, photos on Facebook get more likes shares and comments than any other form of communication that's on Facebook. Uh, so visual communication is never going to die. The infographic is going to evolve in how we showcase visual communication, but it's not going away. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a, a really interesting point because I mean, the same, it's the same thing with content marketing, right? I mean, now that, that that phrase is trending upwards, there's a lot more crap being produced and it's all about you know, becoming the best teacher that you can be, right? So I, th I think, you know, you, you have to rise above, you know, the crap, like like you said. Um, so totally agree with that. I think that's a good point. I really don't think infographics or, you know, content marketing for that matter are really going anywhere. Um, so, you know, you, in one example, you know, you know, you mentioned that you one infographic helped you get uh, 3,000 inbound links, helped you jump to from page five to page one for, you know, a, a multiple target keywords, right? So I guess my question is, how exactly did you get multiple keywords to rank higher from just one infographic? Mm -hmm. um, what we did was we, every week, changed the embed code for it. And so the embed code for one week was focused on one specific keyword, and then for another week, it was focused on another keyword. Um, in addition to that, we posted it in small form on our blog, and then we had a large form page where you could view it um, view it in full, uh, full width, but the large form page had different embed code than the small form on the blog. So we basically every week had two keywords that we were trying to promote through that infographic. Nice, and so I'd imagine that that would work really well in a, in a, not, you know, a world of not not provided, but now that not provided is here, um, are you guys still using that, utilizing that tactic, or is it, um, you know, are you guys not doing it so much anymore? Um, Really, it's interesting because uh, infographics have been. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? You kind of cut off there. Evolved in how they're shared. Um, we are. We still use the embed code text. We oh no problem. Um, so we'll still use embed code text for clients. Um, I, see, I see that my camera keeps going up, so <laughs> should be working now. Um, so we still use embed code text for clients. We still uh, will try to target at least uh, one focused keyword. Um, sometimes we'll do the technique of changing it out, but it's easier to change it out if it's our own design. When it's something for a client, um, then we have to get them to actually go onto their website and change out the embed code, so it's not the easiest to do. Mm -hmm. um, instead, we really focus on um, adding, adding value with social shares and building brand engagement um, because infographics used to be primarily a link bait play, and in our opinion, that's why infographics started to stink because everybody was looking for more and more ways to grow inbound links. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, infographics are a great aspect of content marketing. But if you're going to do content marketing, you need to embrace it as a whole. Content marketing is it's, it's kind of forced ethical marketing. Mm -hmm. um, you have to create content that your audience wants to see. Mm -hmm. And so if you're creating high quality content that your audience wants to see, you're going to get backlinks. You're going to get social shares. Um, 
it might not be as formulaic as it was in 2010 with infographics where it was very, very link focused and you could get thousands of backlinks. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's any less valuable. Um, now it actually forces, uh, forces brands to create quality content instead of just uh, focusing on quantity. You know, out of, out of curiosity, I mean, do you have like a certain, uh, is there like an average number of links per infographic you guys make, anything like that? Um, no, it always does depend on the infographic and the goal. Um, mm. Honestly, some infographics can end up with hundreds of links. Some might end up with two mm -hmm. because it also depends on uh, the topic. For instance, uh, we did an infographic on breast cancer awareness during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, at the exact same time that we put that together for our client, there were about, I'd say, two or 300 other breast cancer awareness infographics that were released on the exact same day. And so um, you don't have the opportunity to get a lot of backlinks if, you're, if you have 300, uh, 300 infographics with the exact same facts and data being put out there. Um, ours definitely had a, a higher quality of design, and there were definitely some others out there that had a very high quality of design so they all rose to the top mm -hmm. but you're still competing with the same information so the best way to get backlinks is to be a thought leader put out data and information that doesn't exist anywhere else um, that will really uh, really garner people's attention and make them happy uh, and loyal to you as a brand that you were willing to share that data and information got it okay I want to switch gears for a second. I mean, you know, obviously creating a, a, a really high quality, you know, infographic or piece of content for that matter is super important. But how important is it to, you know, how important is distribution? You know, let's say, you know, certain percent X percentage is content marketing or, or producing the content. Y percentage is, um, you know, distribution. How would you kind of allocate those those percentages? I would say 50 50, honestly. Um, basically, the, the issue is it's kind of the chicken or egg scenario. Um, we we have a lot of a, a lot of instances where after the infographic is produced, suddenly uh, the client wants to distribute it mm -hmm. where they didn't want to before, but now they see it and they're really excited about it and they want to put it out there. But since it wasn't planned for distribution from the beginning, we didn't design it um, or or create the storyline based on one specific distribution goal. Mm -hmm. And so, in my opinion, distribution has to. Uh, come in as kind of the bookends of any content marketing. It should be in the initial planning of the content where you um, identify what the distribution goal is so that as you're putting the content together, you're constantly tracking back to that goal and making sure that the content will appeal to that goal. And then it should be at the very end of the content where you actually, um, you've got this great content, now you need to put it out there. It, content marketing, especially in, in a world of millions of websites and um, billions of people online, it's not an if you build it, they will come scenario. Um, just, like, just like, you know, SEO, um, you can't just build a website or build a great piece of content and expect people to find it. Mm -hmm. You need to let people know it exists. So distribution, you know, you, you can't have one without the other. Got it. And for infographics in particular, I mean, what are the most popular distribution channels that you've seen? Um, we focus on 
social distribution um, will always distribute to um, all of the infographic galleries that are out there um, just because it's, you know, that, that's where an audience hungry for infographics is. But that doesn't mean it's where the audience um, that our clients want mm -hmm. will be. And so we always create a unique distribution list based on our clients' needs and our clients' audience and try to build partnerships with uh, great content partners out there so that um, we can let them know, hey, we have this great piece of content we think your readers will like um, and ask that they repost the infographic. Um, but in addition to that, we're always uh, pushing it out, of course, on Twitter, Facebook, StumbleUpon, Pinterest, Instagram, um, because those are all channels that everybody is tied into in one way or another. Got it. So how does it work on infographics? I mean, I mean on Instagram, because the infographics are super long. So how does that work exactly? We create specific thumbnails for oh. Instagram. We actually create thumbnails for every channel. Um, and the thumbnail then links to the client's page that has the full form infographic. Got it. Okay. I mean, in terms of, I mean, so let's say I'm a startup, right? Budgets are really like tight, but I want to do an infographic, right? So how much do typical infographics cost if it's just bare bones infographic? Like what's the range? Um, honestly, if you want a high quality infographic, and that, that's kind of the difference. A bare bones infographic might be reusing pictograms. It might be just simple charts and graphs. It's not going to stand out mm -hmm. um, to a US audience. Mm -hmm. It will actually stand out to a European audience though, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, um, a UK audience really likes a, a very minimal uh, kind of Swiss style of design. And um, something like that might end up costing anywhere from, uh, you know, maybe $900 to $1,500. Mm. But a quality infographic that's going to really stand out is, is going to be in the couple of thousand dollar range, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're working with an agency because the agency is going to do the research for you. Um, you know, quality infographic isn't just design. It's high quality research, high quality scripting, and high quality distribution. Mm -hmm. And if you want all of those aspects of an infographic campaign or a visual communication campaign, you have to be willing to spend a couple thousand, thousand dollars at least. Now, um, one of the things that we do, um, because we were a startup ourselves, um, and when we started, we primarily worked with startups. It was actually um, kind of the foundation of our company was finding ways to provide affordable infographics for startups. As we've grown, we, we can no longer do that because we have to be able to pay our employees a competitive wage. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just can no longer offer infographics under $1,000. Mm -hmm. But a lot of startups need infographics under $1,000. Right. And so we actually created um, infographictemplates.com which um, has a bunch of infographics designed by our most senior designers, mm -hmm. um, but they're templates. So a client can actually download that template and either um, do, the, do the work themselves in Adobe Illustrator or hire an hourly designer who will only need to spend maybe four or five hours because the template is so well-baked, mm -hmm. um, creating an infographic. And through that, um, as long as they have a design eye and as long as they're willing to bring the research to the table um, and they're confident in the research and script that they put together, they can create something that is uh, as high quality as what we would consider a premium infographic. 
um, but at startup rates. Got it. And is that what's the website again? And is it free? Uh, yes, it's infographictemplates.com. The infographics, okay. uh, the infographic templates cost money. Mm -hmm. um, they cost anywhere from, um, uh, you know, $20 to $25. So they're not expensive at all. And um, you can create multiple infographics with them. Wow, got it. How's that business doing today? Uh, it's doing really well. Um, it, we launched it. Uh, I think at the end of the summer was when we put it out, mm -hmm. and um, we definitely get uh, probably about 10 to 15 uh, downloads a day, which is exactly you know, what we were hoping for. We don't want to get hundreds of downloads a day um, mm -hmm. because we, we don't want clients to be putting out this, the same exact designs because then, then they, won't, uh, they won't have uh, much, much of a leg up over the competition. Mm -hmm. Um, right. We just really want it to be a service for either designers to learn how to design infographics or for startups to design infographics in an affordable way. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's like you don't want too many customers or else it gets too saturated. Then you need, you need to make new templates. That's, That's, yeah. kind of, that's a funny <laughs> problem to have. Um, how about like the future of infographics? I mean, you know, where do you see them going exactly? Um, so in my opinion, the static infographic is going to move offline primarily. Um, there's so many uses in the offline world, um, in the real world, um, like for stat yeah, exactly. <laughs> for static infographics. Um, they work great as, um, something to put behind you at a booth at the conference. Um, they're amazing sales leave behinds. Um, they're, uh, being put in textbooks now to help educate high school students. Um, so there's a lot of great offline uses, uses for a static design. Um, the whole point of the internet is that it's interactive. And so we're moving to an interactive world with infographics online. Um, parallax scrolling infographics are, are going to be, um, you know, they're really starting to pick up now, a year from now. I, I really think almost all of our clients are going to be coming to us expecting a parallax scroll infographic um, as a regular deliverable. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to a static infographic. Mm -hmm. um, animated motion graphics um, are really taking over because it's a very affordable way to have 100% unique and original um, homepage video to uh, enthrall your, uh, your audience. Mm -hmm. So I really see infographics just diving into that kind of interactive um, animated space more than anything else. Got it. Okay. So let's say in one year, like, you know, clients start coming to you for parallax, you know, infographics, but I'd imagine the cost would probably be higher, right? Um, a year from now, I don't think so. Okay. And that's what's interesting. Uh, this year, yes. Um, and that's because they're new. We're all, um, everybody who's doing parallax scroll infographics are developing the code libraries now mm -hmm. to be able to um, mm. put them together in a quality way. Mm -hmm. And so a year from now, um, we'll have this great code library to pull from and um, start making them even more affordable. Um, we're lucky to have something like uh, D3, which is a phenomenal jQuery library mm -hmm. that um, really helps take data visualization to the next level. And so um, as external libraries are created and within my company we're going to create plenty of internal libraries um, as all of that happens the uh, time to produce something like a parallax scroll infographic will go down which means the cost will go down got it okay 
Cool, makes sense. Um, two more questions here, um, wrapping it up. So what is one must-read book for entrepreneurs? Um, oh, geez. That's a good question because I've been heads down for three years, so I actually <laughs> haven't had a chance to read much. Um, geez, I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Let me, let me think on this for just a second. Sure. Um, I, I basically have read every Seth Godin book that's out there, mm -hmm. um, but I can't really pinpoint one exact. Here's one that you wouldn't think of. Um, that I actually have been reading. Um, uh, I've, I've read all of the series of these books. Uh, the smartest investment book you'll ever read uh. um, and the smartest 401k book you'll ever read. And the only reason I say that is because if you want to be a responsible employer um, then you and give your employees um, financial security for their future, mm -hmm. um, then setting up a 401k program for them is great. But... I would definitely read the smartest 401k book you've ever, you've ever read. That's what it's called. Uh -huh. um, because it will tell you how to set up a 401k in a fair way for your employees um, instead of in a way that could actually really harm them in the future. Wow. Um, I'm seriously going to go buy that after because that, that applies to me directly. Um, yeah, so I think that's a great recommendation. So th thanks for taking the time to think about that one. Mm -hmm. um, how about your, you know, can you share like a, like a productivity hack um, that helps you, helps get you through the day? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, my Google Calendar is my to-do list. And I think that if I didn't make that shift, I would not get anything done. Because um, we're one big open office. We don't have any cubicles. Mm -hmm. And so uh, most of my time is spent with people coming up to me asking me questions um, mm -hmm. because we have so many projects up in the air at any given time. Mm -hmm. And by having, a, having all of my tasks slotted in my Google Calendar, um, I can ensure that I'm spending time on the things that are necessary instead of getting distracted mm -hmm. by uh, fires. Yep. Um, and so it really forces me to um, stop what I'm doing and move on to the next thing and mm -hmm. I can come back to uh, the fire later if I need to. Okay, that's actually, so I, I lied, I have one more question. No problem. Um, so, you know, you bring up the, the open the open concept, right? Um, I mean, you know, obviously there's gonna be a ton of distractions, things like that. So how do you how do you deal with those distractions? Because it's not like you can kind of just go escape anywhere, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm still learning how to deal with those distractions, to be honest with you. Um, I learned a really cool tip the other day which is, um, I, I know of a, another company that has this open floor concept and they have rigged, um, they've rigged little poles on every desk with flags. Uh -huh. And if the red flag goes up, nobody is allowed to go over to their desk unless it's an absolute emergency. Uh. Um, I really love that idea and I want to implement something like that. Um, Otherwise, I mean, we definitely put headphones on when needed, when we really need to focus. Um, I always tell my employees, uh, if you need noise-canceling headphones, let me know because we'll definitely, you know, I, I think that's, if that's a productivity booster, we'll get that for you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the distractions that come from an open concept are worth it because the productivity gained mm -hmm. from everybody being in the and 
being able to know what's going on by just hearing, um, hearing each other talk about a project and being able to jump in and answer a question before that project gets derailed in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just an immense benefit. In addition, the transparency that it forces on a, um, on a CEO mm -hmm. is phenomenal. By having an open concept um, when you're in a startup space, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows our revenue. Everybody knows where we have profits that we can put towards, towards raises or investing in the company. Mm -hmm. um, everybody knows the problems that are going on and everybody sees our wins. And so we're all in it together instead of, um, instead of one person kind of being Atlas holding, holding everything up on their shoulders. Got it. Okay. No, I think that's, that's super helpful because I mean, there's always been that debate, you know, should we go cube? Should we go open? I think there's, there's benefits and, and disadvantages, but it sounds like there's a lot more benefits than disadvantages. Um, and I really love the flag idea. It's the, I'll just call it the shut up flag. Um, cool. So Amy, yep. <laughs> Amy, thanks so much for doing this. I mean, a lot of insight here. I think, you know, a lot of startup people should start looking into infographics, um, if, you know, like immediately. So, um, Amy, thanks for joining us. You know, we hope to have you on the show again someday as well. So thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me.